Well, good evening. Uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, this evening, we will be uh, continuing on in our study of the Ten Commandments, taking a look at the Sixth Commandment this evening, you shall not murder. Uh, it is in Exodus 20 in verse 13. If you want to turn there for that, it's uh, four words long. Uh, the interesting thing about the Ten Commandments that we've studied, some of them have been a little more verbose. They have a little more explanation, a little more qualification on them. The commandment we'll be looking at this evening is very straightforward. However, there are some things that we need to make sure that we're cognizant of as we look at what it means to not murder. We also need to clear up some things as far as translations are concerned, making sure that we are clear because if we're not clear in the start, we will be faulty as we begin to make application. So please join me as, as I have a brief word of prayer for us as we, as we study. Lord God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, that we have yet another time to come together to study your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me tonight. I pray that you would, would help us understand your commandments, your word. Help us, Lord, to apply it rightly. Be with us as we study. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So the sixth commandment forbids the unjustified and intentional act of taking a human life. Four simple words, you shall not murder. Now, I mentioned that there were some other translations, some earlier translations that may translate that word murder, kill, and we will address that. But as we look at this, we see that there is no, as I mentioned, no explanation, no further qualification, no, no further details given. And I think that is because the understanding of what it is to murder is something that is in our hearts, something that not just the American culture, but something that would be worldwide understood what it means to murder. And I believe historically speaking, that would be the case also. Some civilizations have had less respect for human life and have flippantly taken human life. But I think even in, among those cultures, they would look at certain people uh, who were respected, and if their lives were taken, they would consider it a murder, whereas those who were considered to be lesser maybe just a sacrifice or a killing and not a big deal. But in general, people throughout time, throughout countries, have recognized murder for what it is, the unlawful taking of another life. So we need to look this evening as we start uh, our, our, our look at this commandment and uh, avoid some confusion. So the first thing we'll do is avoid some confusion. We need to know that there is a difference between murder and killing. And as we clearly understand that, then we'll be able to move on into uh, a couple other areas. Secondly, we'll, we'll take a look at, um, it was never God's intent for man to murder. And we'll see that murder has been a result of sin. And then lastly, we'll have a uh, discussion about murder being an issue or a problem with the human heart. And we'll talk about some resolution for that. So to begin, let's talk about murder. Let's talk about what it means to murder or what it means to kill. And let's, let's make sure that we clear up that translation as we begin to make some application. So all murders involve killing, but not all killing is murder. I know that sounds like a standardized test statement, but it is true. 
Hebrew, as English and as many other languages do, have different words for murder and killing. Hebrew uses the word ratzak as the word for killing another human being uh, with intent or malice, which we would consider murder. The other word that is used in scripture is the word mut or M-U-T, and that is often used to talk about slaying or killing another person. And there's important distinction that murdering is a personal act that is aimed at ending the life of another human being. The term murder is, is used to describe that unlawful act against another person without justification, valid excuse. It implies that there was malice and forethought into the act. So when a, another, when a human murders another human being, it's not simply an accident. It's not inadvertent. And I think as we think about this, we can think about some trials that we may have seen on TV and we hear terms kind of thrown around, whether it was uh, murder one, murder two, murder three, third degree murder, was it manslaughter, what type of manslaughter it was. And so we understand that there's different ways of defining it. But as God defines murder, murder as in thou shalt not murder or you shall not murder, involves malice, forethought, and is a condition of the heart between one human and another. In some older biblical translations, such as the King James, we sometimes will have people who will remember learning that when they were younger. For those of you who memorized uh, King James' Ten Commandments when you were younger, if you've seen them posted, you will notice that the Sixth Commandment is often translated in other translations as well as King James, that thou shalt not kill. And when we think about that, that the trouble with saying thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not murder, the difference is there are other reasons why someone might kill another human being that's not murder. And it's important for us to draw that distinction as we begin to talk about self-defense, as we talk about defending your family, defending your country. And we have all sorts of problems in the Bible if we think about God commanding his people to have a conquest into the promised land if we translate killing and murdering and we mean the same thing. God does not mean the same thing, and therefore we should understand what God's meaning is. And so therefore, thou shalt not murder is the command. It's not simply thou shalt not kill. So some examples in scripture, if we wanna take a look at this, if, if you guys wanna do some additional reading in uh, Numbers 35 specifically, it's going to cover the punishments for the intentional killing of someone. And there are examples that are given with an iron tool, a stone tool, a wooden tool, your bare hands. In each of those instances, the person doing the killing is described as a murderer. And the person who has been killed is the person who has been murdered. Each of these is punishable by death. A distinction is made, a clear distinction is made because the cause of death is not unintentional, it's not negligent, this killing is, is, is intentional. It is done out of anger, it is done out of malice. Killing, as it's used in scripture, is, is most of the time used to talk about what we might consider manslaying or manslaughter. It's consistent with our understanding of manslaughter today that we hear in 
court terms. And I'm not gonna go through all of these scenarios because there's lots of different scenarios that are in scripture and I would encourage you to, to read uh, further in, in Numbers and other places in scripture where it talks about the explanation of, of God's law. We're gonna stay uh, closely aligned with our, tenth, or our uh, Ten Commandments and the read, and understanding of the Sixth Commandment tonight. But there are many, and it is important for us to understand that it's the circumstances and the situation that surrounds the death that is important, both legally, as is the case today, and to God, as has always been the case. The circumstances and the intent of the person's heart. So when the world considers a case, when we watch a case on TV or we're watching uh, the events of a trial unfold, I know that there's been some high-profile cases that we have been following as a nation here recently, and the question is always, what does the external evidence say? What does forensics say? What is the expert testimony? And we're looking at that because it's only possible for men to observe what is on the outside. Men can be fooled by a clever case presentation, a convincing testimony. We can reach the wrong conclusion because we are swayed and influenced by those around us, by society. We have seen this and we know this to be the case. God, however, does not depend upon external appearance because he knows the truth, he searches the heart. He knows the intent. Two additional specific examples that we're going to look at in scripture, and if you want to flip here, we will look at these a little closer. The first will be Cain and Abel. That account is found in Genesis chapter four, verses three through eight. Scripture says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Certainly, when we look at this example, we would understand that this is not simply an accidental killing. This is an intentional killing. This is murder. The intent of Cain's heart is against his brother. He is angry, scripture says. His face has fallen. He is jealous and angry with God and potentially angry with his brother as well. And because of his jealousy and anger towards his brother, he kills him. Another example where we see killing used as opposed to, to murder would be in Joshua 8. I mentioned that if we have a misunderstanding at the beginning of thou shalt not murder, if we, we translate that thou shalt not kill, when, or when we begin to look at the conquest of the Israelites, we'll begin to see, wait a minute, God is violating his own law. And that is not the case. In Joshua 8, 24 through 26, we see the destruction of Ai. 
Ai is the second city that was laid siege to by the Israelites. The first, if you remember, is Jericho. And they actually did nothing except march around that city. Ai is the first one that they actually engaged in battle. And they were defeated initially. Verse 24 of chapter eight says, when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all of the people in Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. So you see, if we begin with a wrong understanding that God's intent with the sixth commandment is that we should not kill, period, God would have broken his own command. There is a distinction between murder. There is a distinction between killing. And we are to understand that God's command of his people to go and to conquer was not only to bring his people into the promised land, it was to defend his people, it was to lead his people as a military army, and it was to bring judgment upon the pagans that lived in Canaan. It was not, however, murder. So with the distinctions between murder and killing aside, we want to now turn our attention to the fact that murder is a result of sin. So why does man murder? We know that man was created in God's image. We read that in, in Genesis 1. And initially, we were made to live in harmony. God was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, and everything was fine until sin entered the world. And as a result of that sin... Man was cast out of the garden and dwelt in a fallen world. And there are many other things that occurred because of that sin, but one of the, the things that resulted from that sin was the overall sinfulness and propensity for man to sin. Man was inclined to be rebellious towards God, inclined toward hatred towards each other. And we see that initially where? Between two brothers, Two brothers who should have been close. Two brothers, when we think about our, our relationships with our family, we should be loving our family. We should have good relationships with our family. But I'm sure, as many of you can attest, it's not always easy to coexist, even with family. And this enmity that grew between these two brothers that we see play out in Genesis 3 led to the sinful murdering of Abel. Anger. Jealousy, pride, hatefulness, envy, strife, all of those things fuel man's bent toward evil and evil actions and drives man's heart because of the sinfulness of his heart to be angry and hateful towards his brother. And in the end, it led to murder. From that moment on, taking the life of another person has been something that's commonplace in Scripture. If we read through Scripture, all through Scripture, you will see people acting in ways where they're at war, people specifically killing other people. It's nothing new for us. 
If you watch the news, there are murders that take place on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about accidental things where people die because they got hit in a crosswalk or someone was breaking into someone's home and one of them gets, gets shot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who is so angry and so hate-filled towards another human being that they think through how they are going to kill them and they kill them. Murder. Man's lawlessness is on full display in murder. Man was originally made in God's image. We obviously were made in God's image and are in God's image, except for we are living under sin and the curse of sin. Man's rebellion against God is rebelling against the fact that God is the giver, sustainer, and ultimately the ender of all life. Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, See, now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. 1 Samuel 2, 6 says, The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. It is God who is the giver of life. It is God who is supposed to be the ender of life. But man in his rebellion against God has put himself in the place of God and has sought to end the life of others. And we understand that all of these things, this murderous intent of man comes from the stone-cold sinful heart that is inside us. So what about killing in the context of war? What about other examples that we might think about, other questions that we might have about this? So to answer those, let's, let's take a look for just a few seconds on killing in the context of war. Many times we'll hear of Christians who are conscientious objectors, who refuse to serve in times of war or will not serve in, uh, in, in the military because they have decided in their heart that it is wrong for them to kill another person, even in defense of country, even as being directed by their government. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But killing in the time of war is not the same as murder. The Bible contains plenty of war accounts as we look through the Israelites' conquest of the promised land fighting off various invading countries, fighting through all through judges. If we look through judges and look at the, the accounts, there's plenty of warring and fighting going on between these people. And all of these involved, all these wars involved killing. There's no way around it in war. For the Christian today, we know that murder is sin, but we also recognize that killing an enemy combatant during wartime or on the battlefield is something different. God recognized that with commanding his people. And today, as Christians, we recognize that if we are called to serve our country, to defend our country, that fighting on the battlefield is something different. There is nothing malicious specifically and personally in our heart when we fight to defend our country. There should not be. J. Vernon McGee, in his commentary on this, mentions that a young soldier had once told him that he was glad that he did not have to fight in Vietnam. 
and that he said he just couldn't imagine being filled with rage and hatred and going out on the battlefield to kill someone. And J. Vernon McGee said, well, I'm glad that you didn't serve too, because if you had served with that in your heart, then you would have committed murder. We fight not because we have to, we fight to defend. And for Christians, that's the same thing that we think about when we think about defending our family from a home invasion, defending our family from someone who is trying to attack us, defending our country in times of war. Those are unfortunate. Those are still circumstances that are brought about by sin, but they are not the same as murder. We must remember that they're terrible, but it is not the same as murder. It's not to say that there are no effects from serving and killing during wartime. If we look in scripture, we can see that David, who wanted so badly to build the temple for the Lord, was prevented from doing so. God told him that he wanted a man of peace to build the temple and not a man of war. David had had a long history of fighting and bloodshed. And God tells him in in 1 Chronicles that you're not going to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. So throughout the Bible, warfare is presented as a grim reality in our cursed world. Forces of evil are active among us and they must be stopped. Bloodshed is oftentimes the result. But we, we must remember that killing an armed enemy combatant is not sinful in itself. There is a time and a season for those things. An unfortunate time and an unfortunate season. And they do leave their marks on us. But it is not the same as murder. So now let's turn our attention to the root. What is the root? What is the problem? What is the thing that causes us to see people become so angry or, or jealous that they murder. So murder is not just an act. It's actually a condition of the person's heart and the attitudes that they have towards others. In our call to worship, we read, uh, Jake read for us from, from Matthew 5. If we just look at uh, 21 and 22, it says, you have heard that it was said of those of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Leave it to Jesus, right, to take a commandment and drive it home. How many of us would say, I've never murdered. I got that one. I'll check that one off. But Jesus says, what's in your heart? What thoughts do you have about people? How many of you have said, man, I could just kill that guy. What an idiot, you fool. We may not say that verbally, but if you get cut off in traffic, I would say probably better than 50% of you are thinking it. And that's in the heart. And that's what God's concerned with. And we see how important it is for the heart to be right Because out of the overflow of the heart, not only do we speak, but we see action. 
If you ever watch the uh, uh, 48 hours uh, shows where they show this crime occurred and you have all these, this time that has to go by where they try to solve the crime in the first 48 hours, uh, many times in those shows, the person who committed the crime will say that something happened and it festered. And they became overwhelmed with anger towards this other person or hatred towards this other person. And then they finally acted. They premeditated it. They thought about it. That sin was allowed to grow. That sin was allowed to metastasize in the heart of that person until that person overflows and explodes in anger. Now, sometimes this happens quickly as people become angry with another human being and they attack them and kill them. But many times, it's things that grow over time, slowly growing in the heart. We can look also in 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 15 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, when the world, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, and everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The heart is the problem. The heart is what God cares about. And if the heart is right, the actions the proper actions will follow. So where does that leave us today? We need new hearts. We need God to give us new hearts. In Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 27, it says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Friends, this is what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. He made it possible for us to be washed clean. He made it possible for us to be restored in right relationship with God. He made it possible for our heart of stone to be removed and a heart of flesh to be put in. A heart of flesh that loves God, that loves his word, that loves his commandments, that loves one another. That is not just gonna fulfill commands that we're given because of an obligation, but they're fulfilled because we love the one who has saved us. They're fulfilled because we love Jesus Christ and we love what he did for us on the cross. They're fulfilled as we love God and we love others. And that love is only something that we're genuinely going to experience in our life once Christ has come into our life, once we have believed upon him as our Lord and Savior, once we have had that heart transplant, we have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. It is only then that we will truly begin to love our brothers and sisters. It is only then that we will understand what it means when we read scripture and it talks about thinking in our heart, hateful thoughts and angers, angers thoughts towards our brothers and sisters. 
And we will know that we have to depend upon God to change that in our life. We know that that is sin. So in closing, we have to clearly understand what murder is and what killing is. Clearly understand that the resolution for that is the gospel and is the change that God brings into the life of the believer. We recognize sin for sin. We wanna call sin, sin, and we wanna be in agreement with God on that. And we wanna pray that God would change hearts, that he would change lives, that he would remove any evil way in us, and he would help us to love him better and to love each other more. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we have had an opportunity this evening to take a look at the sixth of the 10 commandments that we should not murder. God, we pray that you would change hearts. We pray that you would save many. We pray for you to come. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.